Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Rewind podcast, the big 6-0, episode 60. Uh, we are ticking up there in episode numbers, that's for sure, although we did miss last week. Uh, that was both of our apologies, just work and what else got in the way, but I'm sure everyone caught up for semi-finals and enjoyed those. Um, yeah, that's why we pre- never did this with a set schedule in mind. It's just sporadic here and there when you get it. Yeah, I'm sure you didn't need our, our two cents on the no, semis. I mean, I mean, yeah, there is plenty of other folks out there doing it, isn't there? But tell you what, we were not going to miss covering the final, that's for sure. And that's what we're going to do today. Um, now, I'm sure that everyone has seen the final now. I mean, this is going to come out on a Wednesday here in New Zealand. Well, maybe a Wednesday evening um, or Wednesday morning, sorry. But um, let's be honest, uh, it was a very exciting weekend. The rugby, uh, we may as well. We might as well touch on the bronze final as well, just a wee bit, uh, before we get onto the big... I mean, yeah, it's just all the finals in general, like as much as everyone's probably a bit over it by now, but like the draw, everyone chats about that, but seven out of eight finals, was it, uh, decided by a score. Like, all decided yeah, in, within um, the last few minutes, which is ludicrous when you think about it like that. Definitely the closest final series we've seen, um, and that's pretty good for rugby overall. I mean, obviously, you got the the people on Reddit and whatnot saying that it's not good for rugby that there's no Northern Hemisphere sides, but I don't really give a shit yeah, about that sort not, of stuff. Yeah, it's not great that we haven't got a new winner, but like, guaranteed, you play those quarterfinals again, you're probably getting four different results. You'd at least think two or three results would be different there. Like, just all toss of a coin, pretty much every lot from the quarters right up to the final. Uh, Look, I'm I'm not buying into that whole Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere crap. I mean, at the end of the day, um, if you would like to win the World Cup, you must beat um, all the teams that come up against you. So that's how it works. Um, and yep. not to say that the teams that we came up against or South Africa came up, up against um, weren't some of the best in the world. Of course they were, but they just yeah, didn't play well enough have, on the day. If you can be the best team in the world for three, four years in the build-up, but ultimately it comes down to 80 minutes of knockout rugby, which is a whole different ball game and a game which if, clearly yeah, South Africa and to a slightly lesser extent, but also New Zealand are just world class at. Well, if you're an, if you're an Englishman, you'll know exactly what that means because uh, they always say it's coming home in the football, don't they? And it never does. So, oh, one day, mate. What's coming yeah, home first, yeah. the football or the rugby? Oh, I think the football. Seriously, you'd like to no, think actually, so. No, They've got the team why, for it, but I don't know why I would say that because it's just like they won it in 2003 for the rugby and 1966 for the football. So exactly, mate. It's overdue. It's overdue. Uh, but anyway, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> I know it's a, it's a ridiculous saying, really. But rugby was the winner on the day. Um, oh yeah, cheers to the ladies in the kitchen. Uh, rugby's yeah. winner at the end of the day. It's a yada it's yada yada. It's one of the most. Um, meaningless statements ever coined in rugby is rugby is the winner on the day. What does that even mean? What does that even mean? Let's be real. I don't know if rugby is necessarily the winner at the moment. We'll get onto that later because there's I mean, stuff <laughs> yeah. even outside of the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, that's rugby a good point. It's not that's doing so point. well right yeah, now. No, it's, but let's just touch on the bronze final, shall we? Yeah, it sounds good to me. I mean, Argentina, England, the match... No one really cared about, even me as an Argentine fan, even I know a few English fans. No one really cared about it. Not even, well, not even myself. I mean, I would love to see the Pumas get another bronze, but it's funny you say that. I think Michael Checker genuinely was. Oh yeah, he gave a shit. I mean, no, they, 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 the team selection. So they put out their first team. England put out. Their no, I think future. the Argies would actually be pretty proud of a bronze medal, considering where they how they came into the tournament. I mean, considering um, they would. Oh, at best, you'd say they're maybe the seventh best side in the world. I mean, paper. T- to be frank, I think the English can be quite proud. Oh, of yeah, I think both of those teams, particularly um, England, like where they came into the tournament, they came yeah, in absolute shambles, didn't they? And we're not talking about the draw today. I refuse to talk about the draw, but end of the day, they got to the bronze final and they won a bronze medal, and I think that's pretty impressive considering yeah. how they came into the comp. Pre-tournament, they came as in as a shambles. They lost to Fiji. They did not look good whatsoever. They weren't clicking, and they came in. They did what they needed to do to get to the bronze final and probably take home a medal. Yeah, and uh, any medal was better than no medal, wasn't it? So, fair play. They'll, they'll take that. I mean, it was a close game, 23-26, much closer than their earlier um, game in, in the group stages. Yeah, I really um, thought Argentina might have a chance there. I'd say England probably deserve They probably were the better of the two teams, but... Well, there are opportunities. I mean, you had, I think, Nicolas Sanchez missed a pretty late penalty to, to draw yeah, it up. Yeah, tied it up and would have sent it to um, extra time, which... Would have been torment for everyone, but 
Who knows? Maybe yeah. we could have got another rugby penalty shootout first in the World Cup. How good would it have been? I would have enjoyed that. I would have enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, that no, was a close game. 23-26 to England. Um, uh, so, you know, good to see the, the English or oh, back to that Northern Hemisphere argument. So get, good to see them get a medal. But second half the was day, good, I thought. Yeah, it was First actually, half was a bit kind of stop starty raggedy, but it was always half you know, was played in good spirits. It was a good game. I mean, it, unfortunately, the bronze um, playoff, as it is in football, was genuinely a pretty dead rubber game, really, isn't it? But um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's always like a barbars fixture. Almost go out, yeah. drown your sorrows for a week, come out, send off some of your retiring guys, which both teams did. I mean, Cravey's probably not going to play a heck of a lot more. Sanchez the same; they can send him off, and then England. Laws and Ben Youngs, two of their absolute stalwarts, have been sent yeah. off. Well, Laws is not playing this game, but Youngs getting the send off he deserves. It was good to see Ben Youngs get a start, and, and like you said, he's retired now from international rugby, and um, what a career he had. So yeah. it was good to a see him get a send got off. a fair bit of stick over his career for not being quite up to scratch. But you look at his CV, most capped Englishman of all time, a few Lions tours. Like he's done a heck of a lot, and he's. Been good enough to hold down that nine jersey for the bulk of that period. So clearly, he's a handy player. Oh, absolutely! I think he's uh, justified his spot in there over the years. Maybe in some years he hasn't, but at the end of the day, he's got but a good career. You got so. the likes of Willie Hines chomping at your heels. It's easy to see why <laughs> you're into the number one guy. That's right. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, bronze medal is bronze medal game, and, and that's that's all it is. And England yeah. won it. I probably would not have predicted England and Argentina to be in that bronze medal game. Oh, I can't imagine this. many people would, have. <laughs> nah, not many people would have predicted that at all, what I wouldn't have thought. I mean, lots um, of people probably predicted one or the other to get kind of to a semi-final, to be fair. But I think I think most people would have... Oh, actually, now I think about it, you know, maybe they thought Argies could, could have made it. Um, and same with England. So maybe it's not that surprising, but... It's it is surprising to see no other teams in there considering the quarterfinals. That was all because of the quarterfinals. Tell you what, if they just wheeled back out France and Ireland, just said right, you two are clearly the next best teams that aren't in the final. Do you just want to play a game and see who's the third best? I wouldn't well, have minded it. No, I, I think that's how that should have gone. But unfortunately, that doesn't sound particularly official. Um, I reckon just do a France Ireland friendly anyway, just for the fun of it. Well, the funny the funny part is that you know obviously we're about to talk about the final and you know France bit New Zealand and Ireland bit South Africa. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean I was going to touch on that later, but like I mean right, yeah, we'll go into detail later. But, but every team, pretty much aside from one or two, Australia being one in particular, they all got a moment in this World Cup to celebrate. So that is a positive at least. Yeah, there was some good games and and uh, you know obviously there wasn't all there wasn't all. Um, celebrations, but at least they got some good wins over some really class sides, and and we'll do a separate episode for some of the smaller teams and do a bit of a more in depth analysis on how each team. Yeah, won. we'll give them all a wee grade and look back at the not the unsung heroes and those those likes. Portugal, basically the whole team, just another chance to remit us about them, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So that'll yeah, no doubt be next week's episode. Yeah, we'll do a full rundown of all the teams, but today is really just to focus on the final. We've spoken about the bronze final. I don't think there's much too many major talking points on that. How good was Carreras' try, though? Finally, you can see why they're playing a uh, fullback at 10. Yeah. He can do shit like that. It seems like three or four years for him to do something like that, but he's finally done it. What's the the next thing for Argies? Are they going to keep Checker, do you think? Do you think he'll stay on for another Uh, season? As much as I don't mind Checker, technically, Argentina, I would. Yeah, and England for that matter. They're both pretty dreadful, but their attack just doesn't look up to the scratch of the rest of the they've G1 got teams. Some, um, they've got some gaps in the back line yeah. that they don't have much depth in. And I think, like obviously, Buffelli is probably one of the best. Well, he's definitely one of the best goalkeepers. He's probably one of the better wingers in the world. Uh, but, you know, other than that, they, they've got some good players, but they're not, yeah, not well, seeing much yeah, depth. Yeah, not, not always the most depth and some of their defense can be pretty average, particularly out wide. Like the wingers, they usually cut in and their D's pretty effy out there. Offensively, they almost play rugby league style. It seems like just pick and go, hit up after hit up, and then they're like, right, not going anywhere. We'll just stab a pointless little grubber or something through. But Tell you what, I, I suppose they would get love... well in the coaching staff too, so maybe he's got something to do with that. Yeah, that's right. I mean, aside from their team, I think, you know, I was speaking to someone the other day, I reckon that I would love to see an Argentinian um Rugby World Cup, 
you know, hosted oh, yeah. in Argentina. Oh, How good South would that be? South American World Cup, get it in Argentina, Brazil, Uruguay. I know they're not necessarily on friendly terms all the time, but uh, oh, I think how they good could would do it, South though. American World Cup be? I mean, Rugby World Cup is a lot easier to host than a FIFA, and Brazil's done a FIFA, and Argentina, Argentina could do a rugby, I think. I Maybe mean, it's expanding to 24 nations now, so you'd like to think uh, Uruguay yeah. Argentina are basically guaranteed every World Cup, and you think Chile are probably hot favourites to get in quite a few from now. Yeah, see, a 24-man World Cup, it's just going to be... Oh, we should see... Well, you never know, but we should see America and Canada back in there. You'd um, think so. You'd think America and Canada, see, Spain I mean, pretty, should be in there. Well, we're not going to see the Russians, that's for sure. But we might see uh, Hong probably, Kong, even. Yeah, you're going to see a Hong Kong or like a Kenya or something, aren't you? Yeah, you might Some see Some sort Kong. of poor team that's going to get absolutely walloped. But Well, it is what it is. Um, I don't know if I agree with the idea. I do agree with the idea of expanding the comp, um, but... I don't. I don't quite I don't know. know. It's a whole other can of worms as well. But like, yeah, those bottom teams that have almost out, they're so tightly contested that I think that's good that they all get a chance. But at It'd the same be great. time, yeah, but all, it it's just going to be, be more teams to get spanked by the top teams, isn't it? I think it needs to be a second tier comp. There needs to be. Yeah, it almost does have to be. A... Uh, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I think but... they need to do uh, the Euros for rugby. That needs That's to right. become a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, of course, you got you, a lot of South American teams that could be up that level as well. Um, but actually, to be fair, the South American teams that do compete are good enough for the World Cup. Uh, but there are a lot of European sides that probably aren't. And you're right. So maybe Euro yeah. is the best way of doing it. I mean, it's hard when like club rugby's with all the money's at and everyone's just going to lay their commitments to that aside from World Cup time. And even World Cup time, you get a lot of your Tier 2 guys don't commit to it just because they don't want to risk not having a club contract, which is a sad way, but it's the way it is. That's exactly right. Um, But anyway, that was the bronze final. Before the final, there was one, uh, I mean, there was a forward pass moment, but we don't need to talk much about that. But my (laughs) favourite moment of the match was uh, Farrell got absolutely smoked. I don't even remember who it was by, probably Kramer. But um, I think the assistant ref asked, or the medic asked, oh, is he all right? Can we check him? And he caught on the rest. Mike, no, he's fine. He just got smoked, mate. Like, good on you. I mean, it's yeah, he's just being honest, isn't he? Um, that's a good call. I like that. Who was it? Was Nick Berry, wasn't he? The ref, yeah, Nick Berry. Yeah, I don't mind him, eh? Yeah, he's all right. Other than the fact he's Australian, he does a job. I mean, it's funny. The Aussie players are a bit of an interesting bunch, and you know, they've been very, very average this year, but um, the, the referees aren't too bad. I think the referees are quite good. Yeah, I mean, a lot People of the refs actually, as much as there's some. Yeah. Refs getting stick. I think oh, I mean, actual, the men all, in the middle have done a fairly good job. I mean, the team yeah, that's something yeah. to be talked about. But the, the men in the middle have been solid in my books. All refs are going to get some stick, and we'll talk about that very soon. But you know, I think Angus Gardner and Nick Berry are actually not bad. I think they're probably up there. Yeah, um, I mean, if I see them down as refing the game now, I'm not complaining. They're both solid enough. That's right. No, Matthew Renau. That's the. Uh, one of yeah, the few I look at, I'm like, yeah, I don't really want that. But the rest, I'm I'm good with. What about anyway, Wayne Barnes, mate? The final. Well, Barnsley, like we both said coming into it, he was the man we wanted in the final. We both kind of said he was the best ref in the world. And to be fair, I probably stand by that. I reckon he's the man you would have wanted. Most experienced, but, well, Jacob Pop is probably more experienced. But I think, um, oh, is he? No, he probably. Oh, potentially, but he's got a bit of a dodgy hammy. Or is it a dodgy calf? I don't even know. But... Yeah, he, got, he, got, he had to get. St- Taken off, didn't he? Get him out of there in the wheelchair, mate. He'll be good. Yeah. Now, Wayne Barnes, yeah, he's probably the most, well, one of the more experienced and definitely uh, most experienced at this level. But at the end of the day, they have to choose someone who's neutral, right? And so they couldn't have chosen anyone else. Oh, maybe an Aussie, but probably in this case, an Englishman was the right call. Um, and yeah, I think uh, Barnes was probably the, the, probably the primary. Yeah. I mean, option. you didn't see anyone complaining pre game that Barnes was the ref, did you? So, yeah, I mean, coming into the game, both teams have named some very, very strong lineups. Um, yeah, fairly expected to be like. Well, I out. don't know. Other than the 7 1 split, you never That's know if going to pull that out. I don't like how we all say, like, when Rassi's going to pull it out. Everyone forgets Rassi's not even, like, the head coach. <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, well, I, I did not expect the 7 1 split for the final. 
Nah, I thought I they might have held it I out. It too, I just think it's too. I thought it was too risky. Um, I mean, if Faf went down early doors, they were screwed. But that's right because there's no coverage. Like, the, like I mean, they yeah. would they would have had to put um, Pollard or someone into number nine, and then Villy the Rue would have come on. But the thing is, they could have rearranged um, anywhere else almost. But you, just rearranging a backline, even if you well, don't yeah. play back intensive rugby, rearranging the positions, particularly for defense, it's just well, I think. But I think the game plan up. the game plan allowed the backs to not have to do much running. So Faf and Andre Pollard were pretty much told, right, guys. You're going to be on for 80 minutes. Simple as that. Yeah. Um, and you're going I mean, to have to stay fit for 80 they're minutes. They're there to hold the defensive line together more than anything else, really, aren't they? That's right. And then like they can bring... Crail and um, Diolande. They didn't do much with ball in hand, particularly Crail the whole World Cup. I reckon he was one of the best centers in the tournament, just for oh, defensive how much yeah. of a linchpin he was for that side. Um, but, their, but their business plan going into this game was that we are going to uh, front up from the forwards perspective and, and just um, completely shut them out and that was a tact that I thought was very risky because like you said if if any of those back players went down they're going to be putting pe- people out of position but also the All Blacks have been playing quite good running rugby at the back and you know if they can get past that forward line then the backs in my opinion just yeah without that coverage on the bench they would have been tired out um, but it didn't happen because the forwards were able to front up and yeah, shut and the All Blacks out and when it works like that, it's easier to see why they go to the 7-1 split like it did in the final because let's not make wonders. any mistakes. It's a big risk, let's, but... Oh, it was a massive risk. But let's not make any mistakes. There was I thought this could have gone two ways this game. Yeah, obviously we'll talk about how it did go, but it could have also been a blowout to the All Blacks because... Yeah, if the All Blacks got to hit early doors. Yeah, if they didn't get that right, if they didn't get the four... Uh, well, I guess the defensive part right, but also the, the, the fronting up... up up front from the forwards, if they didn't get that right and the All Blacks scored a couple of early tries and started running with the ball really hard at the Spring Rocks, I don't think they would have been in a small scoreline. Um, but obviously the game plan did work. So, yeah, let's talk about that. Should we just um, kind of run through the game semi-chronologically? Because yeah. there's a few yeah. big moments and I feel like it makes sense to kind of talk on those relatively through order. Let's do it. I mean, the first big moment was probably Fazal's yellow card, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, I think. Yeah, I mean, it was probably, it was probably right. I can see why they gave a yellow. I can see why people are annoyed too, because it was a complete accident. Like he's accidentally landed on the league, not really much in it. And I yeah. wouldn't have been too annoyed if they just gave a penalty. At the same time, I can see why they gave a yellow. Like it's one of I those mean, sort of yeah. toss of a coin things. Could go either way, and can't argue too much with it. I think. Um, a lot of people don't realise, and this is why they were angry. Our like, Kiwis would have been like, "This is that's that's bullshit. That's not a that's not a yellow card," because they only genuinely see yellow cards when it's head contact. But yeah. if you actually look at the law, well, I actually had to look it up because I didn't really know. But it's it still counts if you if you're dangerously landing on someone's body part. It doesn't have to be the head. Yeah. So I don't think a lot of people would know that necessarily because you don't see a lot of leg contact getting yellow cards. But actually, looking at the at the law, um, it's probably you, a good you, thing it's a law too, because like that's, knees aren't meant right. to go that way. Barnes is actually right in calling it, but a lot of people who have watched rugby um, will never see leg contact get yellow cards because it doesn't happen very often in that way. Yeah, you, know what I mean? you almost just like you said have to think about it in terms of like an accidental head contact in Iraq or an accidental like mistiming in the air. It's just like that. It was just an accidental kind of accidental got mistiming. A shove, mistimed. Fell the leg was the out. It was a dangerous position, but it's you don't re- you really see that in in rugby because the legs aren't generally exposed in that in the way that they were in this case. Um, whereas the head contact is way more common because obviously you know people are running at each other. So yeah. I think. That was the issue that I didn't realize at the start when I was watching the game. I was like, hang on a minute. How could that be a yellow when it's not anything to do with the head or upper body? But that doesn't matter. That's the law. Uh, now, obviously, you could argue that's a stupid law, but the reality oh, is yeah. that is the law. There's probably so, laws that need change before that one. <laughs> well, there are. But at the end of the day, it was dangerous. It was a yellow card. It obviously, it definitely wasn't a red card. It oh, no. could have been a penalty only. I think that's definitely an option they could have taken. Yeah, I think um, probably you'd lean slightly more towards it being a penalty only, but I'm not going in the camp. Lots of people seem to be going in and saying, no, nah, never a yellow, because I can see why it is. Um, and at the end of the day, I think 
uh, we, we can't be too disappointed with that because, you know. Well, it led to South Africa's only hooker in their entire squad missing yeah, out well, that, 76 well, that, minutes of a World Cup final. Like, he had to get off injured, and they played Dion Ferry, who, quality player, but hasn't played hooker since he played for the Bulls in bloody God knows how long ago. But, it was a it was a very so funny a job, point. Though. Yeah, I, I was talking about that very fact when I was watching the game to with the with the guys I was watching it with. But um, you actually mentioned in the podcast before a couple of weeks ago that Dion Free was pretty much their uh, only option, really. As a yeah, I mean, um, if he wasn't there, I think they've tried Marco Van Staden at throwing some lineouts. So they really they really limited themselves at hooker after Marks went out of action. Um, yeah, I mean, they still got Dweeber as much as Dweeber's not exactly. Yeah, they went on they great went form though. for the box. He could but still considering, do a job if needed. Considering Faree is thirty six years of age and he's not a hooker as preferred position, he did pretty. Honestly, well, you wouldn't he? be able to tell. Like if you turned in as a casual and said, "All right, this guy's uh, thirty six, made his debut like this year, hasn't played this position in a long time," you wouldn't be able to tell because he does an unreal job at it. Oh, he's he's a legend for the Springboks. If you're a Springboks fan, you're thinking, "God, how did he manage that? That was a pretty." How did he not get capped earlier as well? Like, I know. Nah, he, that was class from him. Yeah. Um, well, the lineouts were a bit iffy for them. I mean, as they sometimes were for us too, but it's not entirely down to him. But yeah, he probably would have helped having a more specialist thrower in that terms. But everywhere else, he looks solid. Um, so, look, yeah, it was a, a very interesting yellow card. and um, But at the end of the day, I think I'd have to agree with it post looking at the law. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. anyway... But, I mean, it was pretty much just all South Africa from then on, really. They were dictating everything, weren't they? Well, up until the big, big moment. They weren't making any um, dangerous runs or anything like that, but they, what they oh, were no, doing They were is controlling the tempo, controlling control, the way the game was being played. And they were slowing played. it down. You know, they, they knew what they were doing in terms of, you know, yes, they were rolling away, but they weren't doing it fast, that's for sure. Um, yeah, they were not letting New Zealand play like they wanted to. They just wouldn't let them get fast ball. If you don't let the Kiwis get fast ball... You're going to have some issues, uh, especially when you got one of the biggest, toughest packs in world rugby, and then you got a whole another pack to bring on later in the game. Like, if you're making New Zealand towards front up, it's going to be tough to put them. Well, I've noticed that you know when the All Blacks are fronted up with a team that doesn't give them fast, well, doesn't allow them to get fast ball. You know, we've seen it with Ireland, we've seen it with other teams in South Africa. What they usually do to combat it is they they try and steal the ball. They go over the ball and win penalties. But they couldn't do that. Yeah. Their Springboks spring were just too good at the clean-out, man. Like, yeah, I mean, and that's where we won that Ireland game and Argentina game was yeah. walking apart. But that Ireland game, we won it at the breakdown pretty much. That's exactly right. Because your likes of Surveyor and Canes and your, your, and your locks, they're always getting over the ball and winning penalties. But they just couldn't do it. I they just mean, could yeah. not get there. Some of South Africa's Lucy's, like well, Khaleesi and Detoy in particular, they were just immense. Well, they had to be though, because that was what New Zealand would, that's what would have got New Zealand out of jail in this scenario because they weren't getting a fast ball and therefore they've got to steal the ball. Um, you know, when the, when the Springboks had possession, that is. Well, the um, way it was being played and one or two little pilfers at the breakdown, win a penalty, that would have won either team, well, convincingly won either team the game in the end. Yeah, that's right. Um, so it was. Yeah, I mean, it was probably the absolute gold standard game plan for the South Africans considering uh, how New Zealand had been playing. I think it was the right idea yeah. and they executed it correctly. Yeah. But like, I mean, yes, South Africa didn't play that style when they smoked us by about 30-odd points pre-tournament. They played a bit more expensively. No, that's right, yeah. the way we were playing coming into this final and the way they've been playing, they did exactly what they needed well, to do. Uh, let's not forget that, the you know, we're not saying that the, the back line of South Africa are not dangerous. Those oh, wingers no, they are, are they've damn got dangerous. One of the best back threes in world rugby. Yeah. Um, like those two wingers, Ardrenser and, and Colby, are just electric. And Colby, oh. just my point out, how does he do what he does? He's, I was shitting myself any time either and we got near the ball. Like, was it Aronson that almost scored off that little grubber or was yeah, it Colby? I can't even remember. But uh, It was Aronson, I think it was. And then they were, I think it was just in touch. But, man, it was close. They just um, do some special stuff, eh? Yeah, but that's what you need that. When your forward pack are doing what they're doing, you need the moments of magic just to get a bit of territory, and that's what they were doing. They were getting just little moments of territory, which was just keeping South Africa in that nice, sort of probably closer to the halfway mark in that territory mark. Um, New Zealand didn't have that many opportunities down the other end, did they? No, no, there wasn't heaps of time down the other end. And I mean, South Africa kicked a few penalties. They got themselves into a 9-3 lead 20 minutes in, didn't they? So 
South Africa chose the correct number 10, and this is what I said going into it. Um, you know, you have to be able to kick goals. And we'll, I will definitely be talking about this shortly because I think this is one of the most overlooked things in the media. You have to be able to kick goals, and you have to be able to kick most of them, if not all of them, in a final. And, yeah, and much as Pollard didn't exactly hit the first couple as cleanly as he would have liked, no, they, they still clean. went over. They're down they to three points yeah. at the end of the day. They weren't clean, but at the end of the day, you know, that's what he was there for. And he nailed it. Um, I wouldn't have fancied LeBoc with that long-range 49, 50-meter penalty. That, that um, I wouldn't have fancied him under that sort of pressure. He just nah. clearly shown the nerves get to him. It's just he Pollard cannot be understated. Yes, he's not the most exciting player. He can be, but he's not generally. And But he's there for a reason. And, I'd love and, to see like those sort of guys at a barbar set up where they can just play loose, like bots off. Yeah, he was a similar sort of mold to... Pollard, yeah, just a lot worse, but he played one game for the Barbos <laughs> and just let it rip. I was like, where has this been your whole life? Yeah, I know. Nah, but that's the, that. I think that's how they mold them in South Africa. Like they're just like, right, you're a ten. You're you're this type of ten. You'll kick goals and you'll kick them ninety five percent of the time, and you'll also do a couple of droppies every now and again. You got a good kicking game in in, in field, but you're not you're distributing the ball, but you're not running with the ball all the time. If yeah, not, it's not. rare to see. Uh, running South African team. I mean, you see a few of them, but you're not you many. Now. Not getting many Mwangas or Bowden Barretts. No, nah, but if you're talking like 2010s, 20 to 2018 Super Rugby era, like that was your bog standard number ten in South Africa. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, a lot of them. Yeah, and Garrison did his best to try uh, break the mold, but he was just built with glass. So yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I think um, yeah, I think and I suppose uh, Yachis was the guy who really did break that mold. But the, the less well, said about him, the better, really, isn't it? Well, that's right. He was a, a, a bad man, but uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I think Yachis was actually he was probably one of my more favourite number tens for the South Africans. But, it was just um, exciting, wasn't he? I liked him. Yeah. But anyway, so, less about yeah. Yanchies, more about uh, certain yeah, Samuel well, Kane. Yeah. So. Yellow card initially for that head contact. I mean, before we talk too much, I wanted to ask: Did you see this while watching, um, like in the run of play, or did you only catch it after they went? Back no, to shed? no, I didn't, and that's a very good point because. Oh no, I caught it when they were watching the run of play. I was like, oh, yep, no, that's that's not. Oh, good. did you? I didn't see how bad it was, but I saw something. I was like, yeah, they're going to be checking that. I don't. I just wasn't. Yeah, I just didn't see. Well, I mean, I probably thought to myself, oh well, the ref hasn't. Yeah, usually I miss all that stuff, but um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't catch it, which is why it caught me off guard, I guess. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty. Well, it was all right, you know, reasonably upright contact. Um, I and, don't and, think anyone can argue the red like <laughs> upright. No real mitigation, to be honest. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't huge, huge amounts of force, but yeah, yeah definitely no mitigation really. So red all day in my books. It's tough, isn't it? Because there is a reasonable doubt that it could be a yellow um, just because, yeah, I mean, it, it, there is a bit of discretion from, with the referee when it comes to force and, you know, maybe they saw something different on the field. I don't I don't really agree with – I know that they do the whole yellow card, then we can upgrade it to a red. I don't really agree with it, though. And the reason why I don't agree with it is because it gives the TMO effectively 10 minutes, if not more, to talk themselves or convince themselves that it is in fact a red. Yeah, it gives red. them that time to kind of be pedantic about it. Like, I think if they're bringing that, I think they got to do what Super Rugby's been doing and have the 20-minute reds. Agree. Like, Agree. I think if it's a straight red like, and you can see that instantly, they're gone for the game. Like if it's some sort of malice like um, Tapia's injury the other week or someone just cleans someone out intentionally, send them off, they're gone for the game. But if it's something like that, there's no malice. It's kind of 50-50. Yeah, give them a red, but do the twenty-minute red so they can bring someone else on, and then you, are you won't saying have the that, game ruined. Are you saying there should be an orange card, mate? Oh, I reckon there needs to bring back that white card they had uh, in Super <laughs> Rugby. I don't really remember it, but I just feel like there needs to be some sort of in-between thing, eh? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, because just, yeah. I'm all for them, like player safety, stamping down, being harsh, but it's just going to end up reds every other game at the moment, isn't it? That's right. I mean, uh, you look now, uh, two World Cup finals in a row. If you look at the Women's World Cup last year and now this one, that have almost, well, not had the result decided, but they've had a red card at them, which has probably changed a lot of how the game was going to go. 
Yeah, it's a damn shame uh, to have red cards in finals, if not just cards in general. But unfortunately, that's how rugby union is now being officiated, and it, and I know that it's just it's really frustrating a lot of people uh, with casual viewership, particularly in Australia and New Zealand, and probably overseas as well. But yeah, I mean to look at a game like that, and I don't know I was watching the game with some other, some fans of rugby, but also fans of rugby league, and they just. I can understand their frustration because rugby league is so fluid and there's more running rugby and they have they, they actually have got the head contact situation probably more sorted out in rugby yeah, league. Yeah, it's just the um, rules in union need to look at. Like They need to look at, well, we'll get on it later, but they need to look at when the TMO can interject. They need to look at all the rules yeah. and make sure there's specific, like you can't kind of have referee discretion over pretty much anything. It's just this is how it is. And there's a lot of things that don't have that at the moment. I mean, don't get me wrong. The presence of scrums and breakdowns and and whatnot is just going to be inherently more technical in union. But it, it never was policed to the extent that it that it is now. And maybe that's because of the TMOs. But um, that's what's pissing people off, to be honest. It's the I inconsistency. Mean, yeah. We'll touch on you it can't... more later. But leave it to the ref. Like You're going to get away with some stuff in, in rugby, as you will in all sport. Like, yeah, exactly. You can't exactly go right. through every minute of every match with a fine-tooth comb. No, you're dealing with human factors, right? So you know if you're dealing with a human ref, which we will be for the foreseeable future, uh, you're going to have to expect the fact that there's going to be differences in refereeing styles, and that's what teams have to adapt to. I mean, that's um, a whole skill in itself, isn't it? They look at... McCaw was probably the greatest of all time at that, wasn't he? Absolutely. Just adapted to what the ref was doing and knew how to go to the line without crossing it. Well, Kiwis would say without crossing it. Every other nation would say go to the line and slightly cross it without getting caught. But it was a damn R-ice. shame. It's a damn shame to see Kane go off. I mean, he had a great game. Had uh, a great, really great. good tournament up until now. Eh? It really silenced his critics, but. Absolutely, and I don't think it's any malice. There was no fault. I mean, it's just one of those things, upright tackle, and maybe he could have been... I don't even know. Maybe he couldn't have stopped himself in the motion, but... I want to give him some credit, though. Like, There's a lot of people that we will talk about at the end of this uh, chat about the game that I'm not going to give as much credit, but Kane will give him big credit, too, because he just owned up to it, took it on the chin, wasn't yeah. trying to make any excuses or anything. So, yeah, shout out to him for that. What was the next thing in the game to call out? Um, I mean, it's probably not too much really more until after half time, was it? It's just South Africa still kind of controlled it, but New Zealand probably played better after the card, I'd say. Like South Africa yeah. kind of plateaued, but held their own. Just really good D. Couple missed drop goals by Vilipser and Colby, and oh, I quite liked the uh, the long range dropping attempts. I, I mean, love the attempts. Yeah. None were great, but they were pretty bad, weren't they? Yep. But they're all worth yeah. a go. Khaleesi's was probably the next big moment. The thing is, it makes sense, though, because if, if you're going to kick it down there anyway, which they were, you may as well have a go. Like, yeah, and we all know, like, we've seen Colby and Vizalissa do that sort of thing before, so we know they got them in the locker. Oh, and it would have been so helpful, points-wise, if they got one. So, oh, it would have um, just demoralised us, eh? Because we, quite frankly, we were not dropping a goal. No, I think it was a, the right option, to be honest, but... Yeah, you're right. I mean, half time, uh, six points to twelve. You know, we're talking four penalties. The, the South Africans didn't score any points in the second half. Yeah, um, I mean, they got the bulk of their points before the red card, which is interesting when you think everyone's saying that like, the red card changed the game, blah blah. Which yes, it did, but and of course, ultimately, of those... South Africa take advantage on the scoreboard at least. Well, they weren't really trying to get tries. They were just trying to defend and, and hold them out and, and kick penalty goals. And one of those penalty goals that they kicked was a very, very good kick from Pollard, the, the one that was about 50-odd metres out. Um, that's just something that you can't, you know, you can't put money on. That. That's just an invaluable uh, ability to have in a, in a grand final. Um, I mean, so there probably fair, is yeah. one of those penalty goals we should semi-mention, as much as I don't want to talk about the ref. Um, the one where Barnes semi admitted that he didn't get the call right. Now, I yeah, think that's that been overblown as well. I think it has. saying he's just straight up said no, I got the call wrong, which he didn't. I think there's a bit of miscommunications there, and he's trying to tell Artie he wasn't quite agreeing with what he did. And there's just a bit of miscoms. It's just one of those calls that could have went either way, really. And like we um, said before, just human error. 
that's what you get in game. There's going to be 25, 30 decisions that go your way and 25, 30 that go the other way, and you should just kind of have to live with it. That's right. Um, yeah, it's it's a damn shame that the fine margins of this game, you know, being one point, uh, would have decided the outcome. And it's really hard to say one team was better than the other because, as we'll talk about shortly, goal kicking was what decided it. So yeah, it's um, just like again, it's just like one of those things. TMO like, chat. It's hard when he's coming in for so much, yet coming in for not much at the same time. I don't know if that makes any sense, but he's just coming in for like heaps of stuff, but yet. Just blatantly decided to not come in for random bits and bobs here and there, which ultimately end up being pretty crucial. Yeah, I'm not sure if I like it, but... Yeah, I'm not sure anyone really does, but hey, that's the way it is at the moment. Hopefully it gets changed, but we'll see. Yeah. So that was half-time. I think the Springboks were told probably at half-time, just keep doing what you're doing, really. I would Uh, say so. To be honest. And I think the All Blacks would have been told, right, we need to score tries. Would have been told, give it to Tatoya because clearly, despite everything, he's still got baby oil on him and can slip out of every tackle. How does he do that? I don't like Yeah, I I was reading a thread on him the other day, and it's like one of the comments I really agreed with is he's just got really good balance. That's probably what it is. He like loads up before contact. Like if you look at Will Jordan, he kind of runs rigid and upright. But you look at Talia before every contact you'll be kind of crouched down ready to spring through yeah he's just kind of elusive just a slippery gypsy is one of the the ability ability to to break lines uh without there being any indication that there's any gaps it's just unreal it doesn't have to yeah no gaps no real speed onto the ball or room to move or anything he just kind of slides his way through somehow and it was vital you know he Gained vital, vital meters, and that's what ultimately uh, what led to the only try of the game. Um, but yeah, it was just he was probably the best, I thought, um, if not one of the best. Yeah, it's definitely hard to argue with him. But uh, Khaleesi's yellow, should we touch on that? Yeah, that's right. So I think, like, if you're a neutral viewer, which I wasn't, but if you were a neutral viewer, you'd probably say that was a lesser degree of danger. Uh, I think even as a, a not neutral viewer, I still I don't well, understand yeah, how you could say it's not a lesser degree of danger. Well, no, I mean, in the moment, of course, as an All Blacks fan, you'd you'd like to yeah, say you're screaming, you're saying, "Reid, he's done the exact same thing." Well, everyone that I was with it, well, everyone who was supporting the All Blacks is saying, "Oh, the ref's going to be consistent." Yes, but how can you be consistent when the the crimes are not the same? Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah, there was yeah. a big difference there. If you go back and watch it, like after a few days of like we have and of debriefing, calming, like, you'll see. There is a big difference. I'm all for ref consistency, right? Like, there's no doubt about it. Refs have to be consistent. We're going to make one call. We're going to repeat it. If it's the exact same offence, obviously that's how law works. But if it's two different offences, why the fuck would it be different? Why would it not be consistent? Like, it doesn't make sense. It's two different offences. And I'm I'm an All Blacks fan. Not trying to be, you know, I'm not trying to say oh the refs in the wrong uh, or that you know I'm sucking off the ref. But at the end of the day. At the end of the day, was, it's not even the ref making the call, is it? It's the team it's, it's the guy upstairs. The ref isn't the ref. So. No, but even if it is a team they're two different crimes, man. Yeah. Two different two different bloody um, incidents. So that's just a stupid argument, to be honest. Not yeah, that I was no. saying that at the time. Let's be honest. I was probably screaming Oh, no, we were both probably saying, in, well, I mean, hikey hoping, crossing our fingers that it would be a red, but I... I mean, we're both in the same boat. I think of we have to agree it's it's a yellow. Yeah, it's a yellow. It's, it's, a yellow I mean, it's not like the minor yellow. It's kind of bordering on a bit more dangerous. But it would have been really harsh if they gave that a read, I think. But it did get you know. But let's not um, let's not you know discount the fact that it gave the All Blacks a ten minute opportunity to score points. Um, and and there was another car later in the game, which we'll, we'll mention shortly, that, that gave the All Blacks, you know, yes, they were down to 14 men for most of the game, uh, and, and South Africa had 15, but there were 20 minutes where they had 14 as well. Yeah. So, I mean, you say 20 minutes, that is another point. I think probably closer to, let's say, well, that first 10-minute period, I reckon they maybe got six or seven because of the next big moment. Aaron Smith's disallowed try. Yeah, um, Richie Moanga, you know, I thought that's what we needed. You know, he oh, he he had got the an entire nation bricked up. 
He did. They were barred up. Uh, right. Bricked up probably is the right way to, to put it. Uh, me definitely included in that. But unfortunately, and I think it, everyone had in the back of their mind, hang on a minute, there was a knock-on in there. I think most people thought that there was a oh, knock-on. Oh, yeah, we, everyone saw it and saw something. I think Barnsley himself saw it and was like, but then I saw it, but yeah, we'll carry on. Like, I saw biggest, well, I mean, it's probably the biggest cock tease in the world. Um, end of the day, why would you keep going on to play? I, mean, I, I get it that you know maybe there wasn't a knock on. You may as well play on and play advantage if there if there wasn't one. But um, everyone had convinced themselves, and I was with a lot of people who convinced themselves, and probably everyone else watching in New Zealand had convinced themselves. Oh, you know, it, it's been disregarded. They can't go back. Of course, they can go back. It, it was the same phase. So yeah, it's annoying they can go back, like, but they've been doing it for a long time. Like, you come on, they've been going back. Everyone knows they've been going back further than that, haven't they? Yeah, they've they've been going back two phases, probably more, man. Like that, I don't even know what the rules on that, but that was the same phase. So I don't think you can be that upset about it. The most frustrating thing, other than the fact we lost like a magic moment because that's getting, but the most frustrating thing is the fact there was like two or three minutes like of that. So from the knock-on to the try or whatever. And you just don't get that time back. It's just almost a black hole. So it's almost like, if they're called in the knock-on, should they just rewind the clock back to when yeah, the knock-on I, actually happened? I actually reckon that the Especially, time... Because that was crucial for us losing at time. The time loss was critical, yeah. You're 100% spot on. They, they, they need to address that time issue when they're doing that. Yeah. But at the same time... I wouldn't want the team over to be like he is in the cock getting rewound every time they go back to an incident because an 80 minute game would take damn near like two, three hours. And it oh, just, 100%. no one wants that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was a great try. If it was a try, it would have been a great try. Mo Wanga dummied beautifully. And then, of course, Aaron Smith's always on the inside. Yeah, the old dummy and goosey. It's just. And Aaron Smith, he, just runs, he runs a support line just so well, doesn't he? There's not many others that run that sort of support line, eh? Nah, I think he's going to be a menace over in I mean, Japan. New Zealand's got a few, actually. I mean, Piridara and Weber are menaces for that. Even Roygaard coming in now, they're all no, it's just class on a support line. It's just a way of New Zealand. Pont as well, but... I think number nines in NZ would run the most out of any player because they're just always running support lines. Um, like, fitness-wise, they'd have to be so fit to keep up with it. I mean, actually, to be fair, number nines in general probably just are the fittest, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're. You think about it, they have to go to every ruck, don't they? Yeah. So I mean, most guys are fit, but like, yeah, nines yeah, do exactly. a lot of running. You have flankers, you'd have to think they're extremely fit as well. Strength, yeah, strength and fitness, absolutely. Adi Savia in particular, just a machine. The work ethic on that guy, absolute machine. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it would have been a beautiful try, but luckily. There was a try. Yeah, we got our moment not too long after that, didn't we? Like we said, our man Talaya set up a beauty of a offload. It was going to be him. If if anyone, it was going to be him, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, he was always going to be the guy to spark. Usually you'd think Jordan could be the guy, but he was not quite at the races. But again, he could have just sparked something. But Talaya, just give him the ball, he'll do something. Knocked it back, not knocked it on. And Bodie Barrett. Yeah, another semi- Controversial call, depending on the way you look at it, but oh no, is, no, it was definitely out of the. He's hand definitely methods. thrown it back. He's thrown it yep. back. It's bounced forward after that, but yeah, that's play yeah, on. That's, that's fine. That's, that's play on, yeah, and that was correctly called. Uh, but it was just try. the fact, like we had one disallowed. I hardly celebrated this try because I saw it. I'm like, oh well, they're calling that back to check. It's probably going to be chalked out again for something. So now, <laughs> just takes just... those moments away from you. And I'll just say that and, and when I was watching this try, I said, oh, beautiful try, obviously. And people I was watching it with, I said, look, watch this conversion. This is a critical conversion. This time of the game in the final, you must convert this try because it puts you in front by one point and that could be enough to win it. And they, and they all said to me, oh, don't worry about that. You know, There's plenty of time to get a penalty or something else later in the game. Oh, no. Not the, the final. You, the way the game not was going. Not as a final. You must. Not in the final. You've got to nail it. And I know it was a very difficult kick from the corner, but that was a difference, man. That would have won the game. Simple as that. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. I mean, we had two opportunities. We'll touch on the other one later, but neither were easy. Like they're both no, they weren't easy. Probably forty percent conversion rate, sort of thing. That's, but that, that's what I'm saying. That's where your big players step up. They nail that's, those exactly. It's ridiculous to think that that is literally how you that would have won the game in both cases. I um, mean, heck, but, neither of us are getting anywhere near on either of those. But no, like, but the margin, the margin in these games is that minuscule that. It just 
for considering what sort of points you get from goal kicking, especially in the union, you get three points for a penalty, which league people think is ridiculous. But at the end of the day, like or droppy. But the thing is, um, yeah, that's what wins the finals, man. And and that was a moment I thought to myself, God, he's missed that conversion. That could cost us, and it, and it has done. Yeah. Especially, I mean, Monga have been striking it so well all tournament. And just the one that matters. Of course, that's going to be the way it goes. But It's the way it goes. And that was the way for France. France would have won the World Cup in 20, uh, 2011 if they'd kicked their goals. Simple as yeah, that. Yeah, this one, they, well, I mean, not even if they kicked the goals. If they didn't get their goal charged down, they would have come through. Yep. Yep. And it's all about those little All moments. these games have resulted in goal kicking, haven't they? It always does. And this is why, this is why we always say before the World Cup, got to have the best goal kickers because it always, always, always comes down to it. Always. Interesting how uh, we always talk post, uh, not post, pre-tournament too about how South Africa might not go all the way because of the fact they didn't have a goal kicker. Well, but we, then, that, of was they they, in, so. that was before they, that was before they brought Pollard in. Exactly right. I said by, I think if Lebok was running the cutter, he's not kicking those goals Pollard did. I, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's just so critical and I think it's something that New Zealand never really gives enough credit to because they, they back their ability to score tries, which is fine. Um, but when it comes to these games, tw- look at 2011. Beaver Donald, without him, we would have lost. If, if, yeah, if, who would have thought if, that? If, if Trin Duke had his b- boots on properly, he would have. they would have won the game. So the reality is um, <laughs> you've got to be able to kick goals. So uh, I, I just don't think people take they give that enough enough um, focus in New Zealand. Tell you what, a couple of we, uh, interesting facts about that try. Which I mean, it's obvious when you think about it, but first try ever scored against the box in a final. Yeah, what's well, that? Their Crazy. fourth final and uh, conceded one try, which is just. I mean, England will course, try claim yeah. they've conceded another in that two thousand seven one, but. Yeah, that's right. But uh, the box have never lost a final as well. No, I mean, yeah, they just the track record is ludicrous. In fact, they didn't make their debut in ninety five, so they missed out on two tournaments. Just yeah, unreal yeah, track right. record for them. And Bodie scoring in another final. I can't imagine many players have scored in two finals. Yeah, I don't think there is any. I think he's be the only one. Yeah, I was trying to rack my brain for any of the time, and I can't think of anyone else. So, I mean, um, I'd love for someone to correct us if we're wrong. If there is anyone else that scored tries in multiple finals, let us know. But if not, shout out Bodie. I was going to say, Tony Wilcock wouldn't have got through in 2015, did he? No, yeah. he didn't. <laughs> nah, he only got one Cole, in he hasn't. England, no. <laughs> He's got to be the only guy, surely. Actually, no. I don't... Oh, no, because there was no tries in 2003, was there? Yeah, I don't think so. I was going to say, would there be an Aussie that got two? Not, yeah, I was trying to think if there would be. That'd be the one. Or any Kiwis from like the early years. There's probably someone, but... I don't think there is. I think there'll be Bowden someone more knowledgeable than us out there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if Bowden was the only. Um, but, yeah, so... Uh, after that try, I think that was the last point scored, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was surprisingly, actually. There was a still another few moments, but yeah, that was the last point scored. I mean, probably the next big moment I had down, at least, was a substitution. Aaron Smith. That was an early one. Yeah, I thought he went off earlier than he should have. I think the whole country did. Like, no, I mean, I, I know dog Christie a wee bit. Christie is a good player. Don't get me wrong, but Aaron Smith's a inspirational leader in his last game in the black jersey and he was playing unreal out of his skin you'd keep him on there surely don't you it was pretty early unless he's injured or physically can't be making it to the rucks anymore why would you take him off yeah it was a weird call um but there must have been a reason behind it i don't know what it was between that and bringing on mckenzie with about three minutes to go i think mckenzie's the sort of guy who could have lit that game up Oh, I think like, McKenzie should have come on earlier, and I think yeah. Smith should have stayed on longer. Just like this is sort of game, they, he would have gave them a different picture. The box were clearly defending us really well, and as good as Moonga and Barrett are, the box knew what they were doing. And and you know, uh, McKenzie's the sort of player who maybe took some risks and cost us a try, and, and we lose. But yeah, he, also, he was either going to make us know. lose by a try or two, or he's going to get us back into the game. He just didn't have a chance to do any of that. I would have yeah. loved to see him ever go. Uh, I feel bad for him because I think he deserved more. But you know, he's he's still young enough that he will make the next World Cup if he oh, plays yeah, well he's enough. So. Basically, got the reins from next year on, doesn't he, sir? I hope so. Yeah, I think he I will. Mean, no one else is really looking likely to take over. There's a couple well, of younger it's funny guys you say coming that, like, through. No, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, with with Razor in charge, he obviously 
I think he's going to fail the Crusaders. Boys. We might see and a Fergus Burke run in the cutter. Well, I was going to say that. I mean, I know Malanga will be out of action. He'll be overseas. But um, we may see some Saders 10s see, get a wee call up or something like that. Um, I think Ruben Love from the Hurricanes. Yeah, is Ruben Love. Aiden Morgan as well. Even um, Pirafeta. He's probably more a home at yeah. fullback. But... Pirafeta may, may make a, a, a reappearance. Um, oh, I mean, old uh, Marty Banks is still running about. Not too late. Oh, for I him. don't think he'll be. I don't think he'll be up the top. Uh, Dan Holland's here. I think Dan might be even higher than uh, Marty Banks at this point. <laughs> I mean, he's been started with the Stags, isn't he? So, yeah, that's right. Um, no, I think yeah, like Geordie Barrett's not going to start at ten, but he he may offer coverage. So they'll probably just have limited. Well, like How we stuck Dan Holland's head in drive World Cup final review. Always a way, mate. Always a way to get these lower tier players. And I know we've sort of we've actually sort of dogged the NPC a little bit because we've been focusing on the World Cup, and that was always going to happen, probably. Yeah, but, I mean, um, I know we're both huge NPC fans, but I frankly didn't watch much of it this year because I watched the final. Rick beat out. Actually, shout out to uh, to Taron. Yeah, shout out the Naki. Uh, shout out Contros, MLR, and NPC double this year. What I'll a tell man! You what, the Naki are a class team, and it was great to see a sold out stadium for them to win. Um, it's just not something that you get all the time, and I think the smaller regions appreciate NBC more than the bigger ones. Eh? Yeah, um, I mean, you just bring it to those smaller stadiums, and like, God forbid, if the Stags ever made the final, which is probably never going to happen in their lifetime, uh, rugby park would be packed to the brim. Oh, I imagine be, it. the atmosphere would be one of the best rugby games of all time. Oh, if but, we ever got the Shield again, imagine the scenes if we had a Shield match down here. Well, yeah, you think there's been lines taken off the Hawks Bay Shield. I'd hate to see what was taken off the uh, Southland Stag Shield if that was to happen again. Um, I mean, knowing the Southland Stags, they'd probably just, I don't know, sink it and drown it in spates or something and tie it behind a, a four-hour yeah, drive. Yeah, Lord knows what they'd do with it down here. They'd be going down the sand dunes of the Aridi Beach on it, mate. Actually, that's probably what they would do, to be fair. Like a, like a little board. One of those, what are they called? Like sandboards. Yeah, skimboard things. They probably would do that, to be fair. Anyway, we're off topic. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, shout out to the Naki. Well, we will probably, we'll tr- maybe we'll try and do an NPC episode. I don't no, know. Even if it's just a wee, another fantasy NPC team, it's always, always fun. But anyway, like you said, topic. World Cup. Um, World Kenzie, Cup. Smith. Um, next thing's probably Colby, I would guess. Yeah, I mean, yellow card to Colby gave the All Blacks, and this is... What I was saying before, you know, there were chances because they, yes, they were down by a man, but they weren't out of the game score wise. So, you know, with that yellow card, it gave them that opportunity. Well, now we're even on men. And I thought to myself at that point, I, th- I thought they were going to win. I thought they'd score a try. Yeah, I game. thought we'd get something. I think um, Colby thought that too, judging by how distraught he looked on the sidelines. He couldn't watch. He wasn't watching. He had his shirt over his head. He couldn't watch the game. Um, and he was, he had to rely on his team to get the job done. And, they did, of course, but the All Blacks, they should have scored a try with him in the bin, I thought. Mm, I, I yeah. felt. I mean, they had a penalty straight from going in the bin, Geordie Barrett, a man who has kicked so many clutch goals from long range, but that, hard when he's yeah, not that, been kicking all tournament, really. To that was the last opportunity. It was the last opportunity again. It wasn't, it was a, it was a touch hard, and this is what I sort of viewed it compared to Pollard's, it was a touch harder than Pollard's. It was a very similar distance, but a little bit more to the right. Yeah, definitely more angle. But um, but, it, but it wasn't that much harder. It was a touch harder. But this is where I said Pollard kicked his and Geordie doesn't. And that's, that's, that's the difference. Yeah, that was the difference. we've seen Geordie yeah. kick those before. We know he can do it, but just didn't get the rub of the green this day. And like you said, yeah. fine, fine margins. Very fine. Uh, but... I just thought that even after that penalty goal attempt, I, I even thought that um, the All Blacks, with that man in the bin, I thought that they, they really would have a chance at scoring. I really they'd... thought they'd work something, eh? I but mean, Artie was trying his utmost. He charged down Polo's drop kick and yeah. they're just doing what he could to get his team back into it, but just wasn't to be, was it? Had a couple kind of semi-breaks, but... Now, just I just want to never... say that scrum at the end, which was the end of the game... Unless you had anything before that. No, no, um, that's definitely the end point for me. And there is some stuff about that scrum, isn't there? Now, the I thought we were had, good in the scrum, actually. The Springboks had the feed. It was pretty much time. I think 79th minute. So effectively, a couple put-ins and then the game would have been over. Um, the first attempt was a really, really good push from the All Blacks. But the the ball wasn't put in. So what do you think of that call? I mean, a lot of a lot of people are being consistent, it. it's fine. You reset it because that's what they do always. But it's so annoying when that happens. Like, 
you think you, you got to put the ball in, you can't just avoid it just because well, that's the right. other team's got the dominant head on. It's it's an interesting law because I, Kiwi fans, it's you a know, law that's a law, but it's another one that I think needs looked at. Eh? Because essentially, if you're the opposing, if you're the uh, the the person putting the, the ball into the scrum, you can think to yourself, "Oh God, we've got a we're going to get smashed in the scrum here. The All Blacks are going to get a great hit on. I'm not putting the ball in," and I think that's unfair um, because the All Blacks or whoever the team is that's putting the dominance on, they've done the work. Well, so, you think if Fath does decide to put that in, we probably get a tight head or a scrum penalty and chance to win it. That's exactly so, right. And that, I mean, and that's, that's why Faf was on there. He's got the experience and knows yeah, see, how to... And, and South African rugby to a T, isn't it? They they know these things. They know how to play the game. Um, but I have seen referees give free kicks in those situations. Yeah, not I have as well. But not, not penalties, but free kicks. And that would have been potentially enough to... Oh, know, he would have been in, putting his bollocks on the line there, Barnsley, if he'd called a penalty here a free kick in that situation. A penalty would have been the biggest call he would have made in his career in that point because it would have been a chance to win the game. But I mean, I say I just, all this, I don't know enough about scrums or rucks for that matter to no, look at them I and don't. know what I'm talking I mean, about. I mean, I'm but pretty sure 1.7 million. New Zealand million. were pushing harder, which is well, not easy to do against the box. Maybe they were doing it illegally. I don't know. But it's annoying yeah. that Halfback doesn't feed the ball in just because his team doesn't get the way on. There was 5 million Kiwis who thought they were scrum experts at that point in time. Um, oh, was there? What, 5 million TMOs as well? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, at the end of the day, that is actually the rule. You see it all the time in smaller games. You see referees reset the scrums at all times. So it's not uncommon, right? It's not. There wasn't There wasn't the wrong call. It was just unfortunate. And, it's, and I don't agree with the rule, but that is the rule. So unfortunately, they, they can do that, and they did, they did that. And then the second scrum... Uh, the South Africans were good enough. Yeah, that's probably as much as you can say, wasn't it? They were good enough. That's probably as yeah. much as you can say for the whole game. I don't think they necessarily played as good as they could have, but they were good enough. Now, let me just make one closing comment. So that was that was the game, 11 points to 12. Um, you know, one point winner and dejection on the faces of the New Zealanders and obviously very happy South Africans. Um, what I will say is that Someone said this to me after the game. I think it's a really, really good point about why South Africa and you know won the game. Yes, it wasn't the best game plan, I mean, most exciting best knockout point. team in history. Surely three one point wins on the bounce. But think about this, and this is a very good point that he said to me. He said South Africa had heroes and New Zealand didn't. They had they had uh, Peter Steph de Toit, they had Andre Pollard, De Klerk, Colby. Dion Ferry, they had heroes in that side, heroes that stepped up and won that game for them. Peter Steph to Toy being the best. Obviously, Pollard kicking his goals. Ferry stepping up when their hooker went down. You know, leadership from Khaleesi. Faf de Klerk being just Faf de Klerk. And Cheslin Colby being immense on the wing. You know, they had heroes in that team. When it comes to the All Blacks, there were some great players, but there wasn't any heroes. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, actually. Like, even Artie, as good as he is, he. Wasn't it his heroic best, I suppose? Still, you could argue him, but... Absolutely. The, the box, yeah. More people almost looked like they had their heart on their sleeve to get it done for their well, maybe country. We, maybe, maybe you could say there was more heroes for the Springboks, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, you that's had, a there was good some, way to know. put it. it. It's simple as that. There were just people who there were people who wanted it more who, who were heroes and stepped up, and that's how they won the game um, at the end of the day. It was, it's just such tight minors in these games. I mean, my couple closing notes along that sort of lines is I think New Zealand should be hella proud of the All Blacks, to be honest. Look at the position they were in this time last Absolutely. year. Absolutely. Yeah. We'd lost to Ireland in a home series. We'd lost to Argentina in Christchurch. And Fozzie was just <laughs> looking at all lost at sea, wasn't he? And we've come in and we've got within a point of winning a World Cup final. So Ian Foster. It's a ridiculous and- turnaround from not just, well, not just Fozzie, but the assistant coaches as well. And everyone. Even the players, they should be proud. There's actually some pride back in the black jersey now. Mate, Ian Foster can be fucking proud of what he's done. And you know what? If I was him, I'd be turning around to the media and telling them where to fucking stick it because they sprayed him. He had a couple rad runs, few losses, right? Or lost to Argentina, whatever, whatever. And they sprayed him. He shouldn't have been there. He was lucky to have his job, man. And they were in a World Cup final losing by one point. If I was him, I'd be just sticking it because he he did his job, man. He did his the best he could do. There's no shame in losing it that to that box team by one point, considering where they were, as you said. And 
Ian Foster, the amount of shit that man went through in the media, and he was getting absolutely sprayed. And mentally, I don't know what he went through, but it would have been shit, I imagine. I think he can be fucking proud of what he achieved. I know he didn't win the award, but imagine the uproar and the memes if he won the uh, Coach of the Year. Oh, look, it just, I mean... In fact, he got nominated for it. It's just, oh, that's enough. It just it just shows you how fickle our media and our public is when it comes to rugby, right? Like, they just don't accept any negative results. i got some comments on that to close out too, but I'll give some praise before those comments because I'd rather give some praise first. Shout out, obviously, Khaleesi, shout out because... You can't do anything but love the man. Like he's just so yeah. well spoken. He's surely got a career in politics. I mean, if Pocock can go into politics, Khaleesi definitely can. But yeah, he's also, class, shout out to Artie and a couple of the other All Blacks boys who they stayed hung around the stadium at the end. I think and like thanked all the fans and all that jazz, which must be hard to do after you've just lost in a World Cup final. What I will say is that it's good to see they kept their silver medals on because in the past, you know, if we if we're talking a twenty fifteen All Blacks dominant All Blacks team, you know, yeah, if they were they to lose would that just game, not wear them would they? I just take them off and be like, well, this is bullshit. We're going home. But you know, you can see the, the New Zealanders they they had some pride. You know, they weren't necessarily yeah. saying you know we're taking them off and going home. They're saying, well, you know, we've got a silver medal. We you know we didn't win yeah. the game, but there's some pride involved. They can keep their heads held high. Absolutely. But yeah, yep. they're not so. Uh, positive comments like you said about the media the commentary team and whatnot as well i don't know if stan would have had the new zealand coverage or not but no nah, it was australia sure kind of post-match new zealand coverage and even some of the commentary is just not professional would be the best way to put it in my eyes like like you got a lot of casual fans watching and even the halftime analysis is solely talking about the ref and the decisions he's made that are like biased against new zealand etc etc it's like that's why you're getting the media and all the social media gurus repeating this stuff back, because that's what they're hearing on the coverage from the like the commentaries, the so-called professionals, etc. I know it's hard because yeah, we didn't get the rub of the green, but you just kind of got to keep it professional and yeah. But part of people form their that... own opinions. I'm not a fan of it. I know some people will be, but it's just oh, my I don't two agree cents. with it at all. Because at the end of the day, like if like I said before, the margins came into it. If they kicked a goal, they would have been saying the absolute opposite. So, yeah, you know, yeah. We, let's, let's just say, to win it without having to get the reason. Let's to just it. say Mawanga kicks that that conversion. The whole rest of the game is the exact same, except for one conversion. One conversion goes over. The whole rest of the game, all the cards, they're all the same. Those commentators would have been saying, "Oh, the All Blacks were the best team in the whole goddamn world." Yeah, not a single person like, would be commenting about the ref. You know what I mean? Like only one doing conversion it of the goes over. <laughs> It just it's not right, but I, part of me thinks they do it because it does get views, right? It gets clicks. Oh yeah, it'll get views, it'll get clicks. And reaction and stuff like that. And you know, Stan would have been no different if the Wallabies were involved in the finals. I mean, they were pretty neutral, but um yeah, I didn't get any of that commentary because it was all bloody Sean Maloney and Co. over here. <laughs> of course it was. Yeah, yeah. Wallabies were long gone. No one's watching yeah. that anymore over there. Nah, they went they weren't too interested. Although Drew Mitchell, he was he's always good to watch. Um but no, I, I do agree with you. I think like you just it's just sore loser material, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's not a good look, is it? I know it's hard as a Kiwi to lose a final. Yeah, losing the way we part. did, yeah, it's not easy, but Um I mean but, praise the boys for the effort they did put in. Talk about the positives as much as it's difficult. Look, mate, we're still the, the one of the best World Cup teams of all time. Um and I've got no doubt that the next World Cup will be just as good. And in Australia, you know, close to home, uh, we'll have a strong team. You know, who knows? Oh, 100%. We've still got so many young guys coming through. Like, I mean, a lot of the teams do, to be honest. South Africa, they're probably going to have a few changes, as are England and as are Ireland. But uh, the bulk of the rest of the teams, looking pretty good for the future. It's been a good World Cup. I will say that it's. I think it's been a little bit too long, tad too long. Yeah, I'm um, looking forward to uh, a condensed pool stage again. It just drags on a little bit. I think when you get to the final, people are a bit like, oh, God, but yeah. over it, you know. Especially the one good thing, fans. the weekly stuff for, apart from like doing podcast songs, it makes it easy, but uh, fantasy rugby, it's been good for that as well. Very easy to keep up with. How'd as much as I, oh, I mean, choked in the last few rounds, really. Decided to go for a couple of rogue picks in a pool stage round, which backfired, but. Did okay in the end, but yeah. Usually I'm 
I'm a bit better at the old fantasy stuff. Yeah, well, that's that's uh, fantasy rugby for you. I don't really do a lot of fantasy. I probably should get into it. Actually, it'd be quite good. Oh, it's usually I do you tournaments, but any long term things, I'll do it for like a week or two, and then I just can't be asked. Even the World Cup by the end of it, I was like, I can't be asked anymore. It's just dragging on. But like you said, it's a tournament I'm going to look back on largely in a positive manner. Yeah, I think uh, other than the anthems, I think it's the, the French have delivered a good World Cup. Um, good, good crowds. I mean. You know, you can't really go wrong with rugby in France, can you? Absolutely. I mean, you're passionate crowds, and like we'll touch on more next week, a lot of teams got their moment. Pretty much all the big teams got a big win. Even the little teams got their performances. What so I will say, though, is... from the uh, Wallabies, it was yeah. a reasonably good tournament for everyone. Maybe and Scotland good. as well, but Scotland, yeah, not a fault of their own. It was good to come into the office on Monday morning, and, uh, you know, I actually preferred... South Africa, their response, I mean, they're a little bit more humble, you know, when it comes to the old, you know, friendly rivalry with Kiwis, of course, a little bit of, little bit of, comp, you know, competitive spirit. But if the Aussies were in the final and they'd won, I wouldn't have heard the end of it. So it's crack up here, and all my five and six year olds covered to class and talking about the ref and how rigged it was and all this oh, stuff. And I'm like, straight from their parents, like, like you got any idea? But like, they're passionate. Yeah, because you, because you mostly are like rural families, wouldn't you? Yeah. You can imagine what that'd be yeah, like. Yeah, you can imagine what they've been saying to them. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have to give a shout out to Robin as well? Because I, I was chatting to one of the parents on Friday. Must have been, and I said, nah, New Zealand comfortable, eight points at least. And he's like, no, nah, not a chance. I was like, fine, I'll give you a shout out on the pod if South Africa somehow get up, but it's not happening. Oh, there you go. So here Robin. we are. He's, he's done me wrong. Don't worry, Robin. He's often he's often wrong on the podcast. Yeah. I mean, in general, mate. Especially when it comes to quiz episodes. <laughs> who wants to be a millionaire? I mean, most things, to be honest. I think I think we do. Who wants to be a millionaire? Part three coming up. Oh I yeah, I'm keen I'm, for I'm, one of those. I'm feeling. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. World Cup edition, maybe. Nah, oh, maybe. I've had, maybe I've had that could be cool. Cup. We World Cup edition. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We'll see. We'll, we'll put it in the uh, in the back burner. We'll... Get it planned. Well, we've got a guest. Might try to get a guest on as well. Yeah, we've got some guests lined up. I think we've got some guests lined up. So let's. uh, Yeah, which we need to organise. I need it. I've got a certain NPC player as well. Well, NPC, Super Rugby player, Moldy All Black, South American potentially. Certain favourite of mine, mate. Hopefully, we can get some guest episodes lined up for you because I know you love hearing other people than us yarn, and we do too. So fingers crossed, we can get them. Well, let's, uh, thanks everyone for listening. I think that's probably everything covered for the yeah, I mean, final. Yeah, it's, a, it's a big ramble really on two games, but hey, we've I rambled for it, two to three yeah. hours in the past on a game from about 20 years ago, so we're good at it. I think if you compared our podcast final episode to other podcasts, we probably rambled less, to be honest. Maybe. Oh, that's a big, big call, but... Well, no, nah, but like when it comes to the referee chat, we're pretty we were pretty diplomatic about it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, we could have definitely rambled a lot more. Trying to treat the referees as humans. Absolutely. All right. Well, yeah. yeah. About rounds out the penultimate World Cup episode. If you're keen, we'll do one more. If you're not keen, we're probably doing one more anyway, so hard luck. A bonus episode. A bonus episode to cover the ratings of all the teams. Don't worry, Australia will be in there. Uh, and they won't have a very high rating, I can't imagine. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely an underachieving World Cup. But anyway, we'll catch you next week when we do that episode. Catch you then. <laughs>